Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. Before we start this edition of The Road to Detroit, I'd like to tell a little story about the last time I had the pleasure of being down in Lakeland, Florida. It was during Tiger Spring training at the very end of March before the team took off to come back and start the regular season. Just about every year I end up going down to Lakeland, Florida, a chance to catch up with some of the guys who used to play at lower levels of the minor league system. Some of them have gotten all the way up to the Tigers. I remember a conversation I was having, and I can't remember exactly which player it was with. But as I was talking with this particular player, there was somebody who was standing right next to us, kind of bird-dogging the interview as things proceeded. So as soon as it wrapped up, I went to go walk into the Tigers clubhouse. And the same gentleman ended up opening the door for me. Didn't think much of it, except, oh, nice guy. Figured he was a staffer or a clubhouse attendant. And then about 15 steps farther down, It was at that point where you'd walk into the Detroit Tigers locker room. Well, that same person actually ran from behind me to in front of me and opened the door again, this time to the Tigers locker room. And when he opened the door, he kind of took his cap off as kind of like a tip of his cap, like enjoy your day kind of move. And I remember thinking, wow, who is this guy? I just remember thinking, I don't know who this guy is. And I finally went into the locker room and I remember asking Joe Jimenez saying, hey, who is that guy? And his response was, Numata as in Chase Numata. If you're listening to this, you probably know that Chase passed away at the age of 27 after an accident he had in late August. Personally, I can't think of something as sad to have happened to the Tigers minor league system in many, many years. From Erie Seawolves manager Mike Rabello, the toughest thing to do as a manager is to get each and everyone to set aside personal agendas and all pull from the same end of the rope. I have played and managed this game all over the world and I have never come across a person that can light up a room like this young man did. Chase, you were a good player, good teammate, and most of all, a great human being. I would give anything to hear you say, whoa, again. Thank you for signing with the Tigers. Thank you for playing your butt off. Thank you for making the clubhouse the way it was. And most of all, thank you for letting me coach you. It was an honor, bud. Love, Rabs. From Erie Seawolves athletic trainer T.J. Obergefell, quote, Today was an all-time low in my career. Never in my life did I ever expect to lose an athlete, and not just lose, but in such tragic fashion. Chase was one of the best individuals to ever cross paths with. If you never got the pleasure to meet him, you missed out on one of the most energetic, infectious, and spectacular people this world ever knew. Everyone he met was a friend. That smile, that voice, that energy, it can never be duplicated. There are so many people in this world that don't deserve to be here, and that's unfair because Chase deserved to be here, and the world deserved Chase. 
I never imagined I would get a phone call in the middle of the night like that, and I hope I never do again. You were all that was good in life, wrapped into one person, Chase Numata. No one that met you will ever forget you. Your legacy won't be any hits or throwing a guy out or even framing a pitch. It will be that unequivocally, you were a Hall of Fame person. And to everyone that knew you, that's greater than anything else there is. Rest in peace, my friend. From former Tigers first rounder and Erie Seawolves pitcher Alex Fiedo, quote, I can't explain how tough today has been. Numi, not only were you the best teammate, but also the most selfless, positive, and down-to-earth person I have ever met. Thank you for being you. That's from Alex Fiedo. Someone who was universally loved, even though he had only spent less than a full season in the Tigers minor league system. He had moved around a little bit from a couple of different teams. But one thing he always did was he handled pitching staffs exceptionally well. I mean, you look at the job he did with the Erie Seawolves. The following Tigers pitching prospects had the best seasons of their professional careers with Erie this year. Casey Mize, Matt Manning, Alex Fiedo, Tarek Skubal, Joey Wentz. Logan Shore, Nolan Blackwood, Drew Carlton. The primary catcher for every single one of those pitchers was Chase Numata. This is a guy whose impact will be felt in Detroit at Comerica Park and around Major League Baseball for years to come. There's a way you can donate as well to help Chase's family. Our thanks to Logan Shore. He set up a fund for Chase's family. It started as a $10,000 goal. That one was blown away almost immediately. But now that number is up to nearly $40,000 as of Tuesday morning. You can find links on social media, the Erie Seawolves Twitter account at Erie underscore Seawolves. Help support the Numata family as they go through a very difficult time. I'm sure it goes without saying, but the thoughts, concerns, and prayers of everyone here at the Road to Detroit goes out to Chase Numata and his family. Rest in peace. You're on the Road to Detroit, the podcast. Here's your host, Dan Hasty. the final episode of this season's Road to Detroit. Glad to have you back on the RTD one final time here in 2019. We get a chance to put the bow on everything that took place here in the 2019 regular season. We've got a lot coming up on this edition of Road to Detroit. Of course, we're going to take a look at everything that's been the Tigers minor leaguers here in 2019. We'll also give you our inaugural edition of the Roadies. Our award-style ceremony will present our official podcast award. Again, this is strictly from the podcast. We will announce the biggest surprise of the season here on the RTD. The must-see box score, the best guest moment, the best bromance, the best Road to Detroit blooper, which I know we have plenty of, also our best moment slash individual performance, and of course, our crowning achievement award here on the RTD, our best in class award, we give away the best in best in class. Of all the players in the Tigers minor league system, this one made the most noise as it pertained to right here on the road to Detroit. We'll also enjoy our very last RTD exclusive of the season. We'll talk to the Detroit Tigers assistant general manager, David Chad, scheduled to join us, give us a rundown of everything that's going on within the Tigers minor league system as it pertains to player development. For now, it's the on-ramp. 
over to the Dominican Summer League. Adinso Reyes has had a phenomenal season in the Dominican Summer League. A Tigers top 30 prospect. He's been terrific. A 331 hitter with seven homers, 48 runs batted in in 62 games. He's going to have to learn how to cut down the strikeouts a little bit, but his on-base percentage at 380, and he drives the baseball. Also still has a little bit of work to do defensively, 19 errors in 39 games, but the bat has been terrific thus far. Last 10 games, Adinso has two home runs, nine runs batted in, and is hitting a cool 375. Another player who's considered a highly regarded Tigers prospect is Jose De La Cruz. He and Reyes were signed together in the 2018 international signing period. Jose De La Cruz has been no slouch this year. Currently on a five-game hitting streak this past week home runs in back-to-back games nine runs batted in he'll strike out a fair shake but a 307 average and the best thing about him is that he stings the baseball 11 home runs 39 runs batted in he also has 13 doubles five triples and he can run 16 stolen bases in just 56 games he's doing all this as a 17 year old playing in the dominican summer league so we'll probably see adinso reyes and Jose De La Cruz come over to play in maybe the GCL or maybe the New York Penn League coming up next season. As for West Michigan, they dropped two out of three against Lansing before they took a series opener against the Dayton Dragons. Then they followed up with another victory. They ended up with a three-game winning streak to end the season. Riley Green went two for four with a bases-clearing triple in the first game in Dayton, and then he hit his first home run, at least his first home run that left the ballpark. You remember he had an inside-the-park home run with the Whitecaps in his Whitecaps debut, but he's ending the season on a high note. Andre Lipsius, a couple of two-hit per performances to close out the season this past week three rbis five runs scored there's also a really nice piece written on him by kurt rollo of milb.com on thursday gives you an idea of how smart this kid is a bionuclear engineering major while at the university of tennessee this kid took classes in plasma physics and thermonuclear fusion So now he's a baseball player. I guess he's taking a step back to slum it with us. Over to Lakeland. The Lakeland Flying Tigers, and we can lump the Gulf Coast League into this as well, both had the remainders of their seasons canceled because of the threat of Hurricane Dorian. We're talking about the Category 5 hurricane that has been threatening the state of Florida. Obviously, baseball is just a game when something like that happens. So now when it comes to the Florida State Leaguers and the Gulf Coast League players, the priority is safety. Get those guys to somewhere safe and make sure that everybody is taken care of so our best to lakeland and the gulf coast league gcl tigers west finished the season with a record of 30 and 20 they actually played pretty well lakeland was one of the hottest teams in the florida state league before they shut things down to finish out the season the whole league canceled the remainder of its games over to erie the seawolves won back-to-back games against akron before losing the third game that eliminated erie from playoff contention as for the pitching staff, a lot of guys on limited innings down the stretch. Tarek Skubel went just two and two-thirds innings, gave up a run, struck out four. He'll finish this season with some tremendous numbers combined between Lakeland and Erie. Six and eight, a 2.42 ERA, 123 innings, 179 strikeouts. That's best among all players in the Tigers minor league system. Just a ninth rounder out of Seattle. What a find that has turned into. Already has vaulted into a top five Tigers prospect. 
Joey Wentz, part of the Shane Green trade with Atlanta. Five and a third innings, gave up just one run. He struck out ten. He's really finished the season well since coming over to the Seawolves. Here are his numbers since joining Erie. 25 and two-thirds innings. He's 2-0 and with a 2-10 ERA. This is a guy who was in Mississippi earlier this year, and his ERA was 472. One of the things we talked about when we got a chance to catch up with Joey was the fact that he was finally feeling healthy. He had gone through some injuries with his oblique and those injuries to pitchers can really affect guys still just 21 years old was a very high draft pick back in 2016 and joey wentz in those 25 and two-thirds innings with erie has struck out 37 which is outstanding but even more impressive he's only walked four batters the question with joey was would he be able to command the strike zone and all of a sudden we're seeing scooble-esque numbers from joey wentz here down the stretch that's a really good sign and a good reason why Joey Wentz is considered a Tigers top 15 prospect. Last but not least, Alex Fiedo made his return off the injured list. Three innings of shutout ball, four strikeouts in his final appearance of the season. Got his ERA under four to end the season. A couple of awards for Erie. Matt Manning was voted the Eastern League Pitcher of the Year. Congratulations to Matt Manning. That's right. Matt Manning ends up getting the most distinguished award that an Eastern League pitcher can receive. He was awesome. 2019 numbers, a 256 ERA, held opponents to an under 200 batting average and struck out 148 in 133 and two-thirds innings. It wasn't it. Jose Azokar took home the Eastern League's Rookie of the Year. The 23-year-old hit 287 with a career high in homers with 10, also drove in 57. Just wait. I hope he can find his way to the major leagues because you will love this kid's arm in the outfield when he was in West Michigan in 2016 and 18, we had nicknamed that outfield throwing arm the Azuka. It is an absolute hose. It's so much fun to watch. It's one of those guys that can throw you out at third base from standing on the warning track. We're talking Puig, Cespedes, and Azokar. It'll be a fun watch to see if Jose Azokar makes it up into the major leagues. Another top performer, Isaac Paredes, notched seven RBIs with a pair of home runs this past week before he was named an MLB Pipeline top performer. Joey Wentz was also in that category. So there's a look at Erie, of course, with such a great second-half record. They were going to take home some awards, unfortunately not going to make the playoffs despite having the best winning percentage in the Eastern League this season. They split the season into two halves, so they ended up the best overall winning percentage, but they didn't finish as the first-place team in either first or second-half play. Last but not least, Toledo. They won three out of four against Indianapolis, then they split a pair with Louisville. Will Vest is up in Toledo. He was a 2017 draftee, and he has gotten better the higher he has gone in the system has not allowed a run out of the bullpen since July 14th. we got to give some reliever love. 14 and a third innings, 23 strikeouts, and a couple of call-ups. Johnny Schreiber is back into the major leagues. That a boy, John Schreiber, native of Rockwood, Michigan, got recalled to Detroit on Sunday. He'll be a valuable piece of the Tigers' bullpen, hopefully as soon as 2020. Same goes for Brian Garcia, one of the best relievers in college baseball history. He's the all-time saves leader with the Miami Hurricanes and the Tigers sixth round pick of the 2016 draft put himself into the major leagues he struck out 78 batters in 55 innings back in 2017 there was some talk that Brian Garcia might have actually made it up to the Detroit Tigers two years ago 
Well, Tommy John's surgery forced everyone to hit the pause button on the debut of Brian Garcia, but apparently he has gotten in the best shape of his life. Talked to some of his teammates. They were joking around that a couple of years ago, Brian Garcia had a terrific arm, but he also had a dad bod, which is something I know I can relate to. But Brian Garcia has totally dedicated himself, and he has become an outstanding prospect. And talk about a great comeback story. Brian Garcia finally getting healthy, and he gets to finish his 2019 season in Detroit. Tigers called him up on Sunday. We'll see if he can pick up where he left off. That's a look at the on-ramp. That's a look at some of the news and notes. Let's keep things rolling here on the RTD. It's now time for our final edition of this season's Best in class. Of all the players in the Tigers system, this one made the most noise. Last week, he ended up as our Honorable Mention Award winner. This week, he ends up as Best in Class. Joey Wentz is the winner of this week's Best in Class Award. He was sensational. Talk about finishing the year strong. A week ago, we were talking about him as an honorable mention for 10 and a third innings of two-run baseball with 12 strikeouts between two starts. Well, here's how he finished his season in a game at Akron. Five and a third innings of one-run ball, gave up just four hits and a walk, and for the first time in Joey Wentz's career as an Erie Seawolf, double-digit strikeouts in a contest that came on August 31st at Akron. And one of the big questions about Joey Wentz was how would he command the strike zone when he came over to the Tigers organization was part of the Shane green trade. He was arguably the biggest piece that the Tigers got at the trade deadline this year. But one of the things he was doing in double a where he posted a near five ERA he was walking guys a little too much, 45 walks and 103 innings. That's a lot. But we talked to him here on the road to Detroit. He mentioned that he was dealing with some injury issues, an oblique injury, and those things are so stubborn. You can be out for a long time or definitely not 100%. Joey Wentz might fall into the latter category. But after he got to Erie, he jumped into that stellar rotation and put up the best numbers of his entire minor league career. He finishes the season with Erie with a 2-0 record, a 2.10 ERA. He made just five starts in 25 and two-thirds innings. But he allowed less than a base hit per inning, gave up 20 hits in 25 innings. Opponents hit just 213, but it's the walk number that dropped tremendously. From a walk rate of just under five per nine innings, now with Erie, Wentz walked just four batters in 25 and two-thirds innings. And by the way, his strikeout rate has gone through the roof. He struck out about a batter per inning this year with the Atlanta Braves system, but ever since Joey Wentz came over to the Tigers organization, that strikeout rate has gone sky high. 13 strikeouts per nine innings for Joey Wentz. That is a substantial increase and something we'll hang our hats on as we go into the offseason for Joey. But you think about this organization and where the strength lies. It probably lies in right-handed starting pitching, right? Casey Mize, Alex Fiedo, Matt Manning. You're going to need some left-handed compliments. And I think one of the bigger achievements for the Tigers this year is that they were able to find left-handed compliments. You can't have five right-handed pitchers in a rotation. It just doesn't work. You can't win games. You can't mix and match. You can't balance out a rotation like that. But the progress of Tarek Skubal and also Joey Wentz all of a sudden give this team a couple of options for lefties to have in that starting rotation. Tigers top 15 prospect Joey Wentz takes home this week's edition and our last regular season edition of Best in Class. As for our always popular honorable mention award, courtesy of the great Dylan Rosa, this week it's Robbie Wellhaft, 24-year-old right-hander from Doylestown, Pennsylvania. How about these numbers? Five games, four of them starts. He gave up just two runs 
in 32 innings of work. That's an ERA, and I'm not great with math, of .56, 0.56. Robbie Wellhaff has also only given up 13 hits during that time, and he's only walked three with 30 strikeouts. Talk about finishing your season on a high note. To me, Robbie Wellhaff punched his ticket to the Florida State League next season. Non-drafted free agent out of Elon University in North Carolina, he actually had a marketing internship set up in Manhattan. He was going to go work in New York City, but then the Tigers called, decided to sign him, put up really good numbers in the minor leagues this year, an ERA of 2.63 between West Michigan and one appearance in Lakeland. He was really good. He'll begin next season as a 24-year-old right-hander who, to me, likely earned a spot in Lakeland with the way he closed the 2019 season. Congrats to Joey Wentz. Congrats to Robbie Wellhaff. It's best in class, the final edition of this season of Road to Detroit. Road to Detroit continues. This might be the biggest moment of the season here on the RTD. Can I get a drum roll, please? Or just Nate banging on things on his desk. (laughs) It is now time for the 2019 Road to Detroit Roadie Awards. Oh, my. (laughs) Yes. This is completely unnecessary. (laughs) But still, big day here on RTD. We will crown the best achievements from the Tigers minor league system and we'll do it in an award style. To preface all this, this is a strict award show from the Road to Detroit podcast. This is from our show to the Tigers and their prospects. Some of the following categories we will present winners in include best moment, biggest surprise, must-see box score, play of the year, best story, best guest, best Road to Detroit blooper, best bromance, And last but not least, our crowning achievement here on Road to Detroit, the best in best in class. Of all the best in classes we've given out, who took home the most of best in class? We'll also, a little bit later on, take a look at superlatives. We are live here in the ballroom. It is very swanky. I have a tuxedo on. Nate is wearing a dress of some type. Very inappropriate. (laughs) Swanky? Swanky. What does that mean? It's not stanky. It's swanky. It's, it's nice. It's stanky. It's done up. Oh. Those two words are way too close together. I know. I meant stanky. It's a stanky ballroom. <laughs> Our first award here on the road to Detroit, Roadies, goes for best individual performance. Here are the nominees. Corey Behenna on the rubber. He fires the 2-2. In there for a called third strike. The Connecticut Tigers have no hit. The Tri-City Valley Cats. And the Tigers mobbing Behenna on the mound. A ball and two strikes, two down. Mize delivers. Popped up. Shallow center. Alcantara back. Ball game. No hitter. Casey Mize in his double-A debut. A nine-inning. No hitter. Here's Riley Green. He's one for three. First pitch is swung on and drilled. Deep center field, back goes Witherspoon at the warning track, he reaches up, he crashes into the wall, the ball is down for extra bases. Greens to third, they're going to wave him home. Here comes the relay throw from Fort Proctor, not in time! It's an inside the park home run, Riley Green! 
the winner is Casey Mize and his no-hitter on April 29. Now we just need that person in the background to be like, this is the first Rhodey Award for Casey Mize. <laughs> Casey Mize's no-hitter back on April 29th became a yearly tradition. He threw a no-hitter with the Auburn Tigers last year. Only took Casey Mize 98 pitches to complete the nine-inning no-hitter, just one walk. That performance, in some ways, inspired the start of this podcast. Something tells me he might end up with a few more roadies before the end of the show. Here's the roadie for biggest surprise. Our first nominee. Situation. The 1-0. Oh, right to right. Willie Castro delivers one into the corner. Lugo's going to score. Castro is all the way into second with a two-out run-scoring double. Willie Castro came over to the Tigers from the Cleveland Indians as part of the Leonis Martin trade. He came over and dominated. Immediately assigned to Erie, put up a fantastic batting average, better than he ever had had as a Cleveland Indians prospect. This year, he took another step forward. Was outstanding in Toledo, had a 300 batting average, a 370 on base percentage, showed some power, and was doing things that he hadn't done as a professional and sustained it through the course of the season. It led to a trip and a promotion up to the Detroit Tigers. Here's the 0-1 toss. Swing and a high fly ball. Hit deep in the air, right center field. Back goes Madden. He's at the warning track at the wall. It's over and gone. Brian Packard with a tape measure shot in a right center field. It gets lost in the trees out in the distance beyond the center field wall. Brian Packer, the fifth-round pick of the Tigers out of East Carolina, was known for having an outstanding ability to hit the baseball. Well, he hit the ground running as a professional, hit over 300 at three different levels of the Tigers minor league system. He finished his season with advanced A Lakeland, got a quick cup of coffee there because he dominated. And really, to see him do what he did as fast as he did puts him on the fast track. And the 3-2 pitch, here it is. Fastball swung on and missed, 95 on the gun. Tarek Skubal, in his double-A debut, has tied a career high with 11 strikeouts. Tarek Skubal, of course, the diamond in the rough the Tigers were looking for. Drafted in the ninth round in 2018 out of Seattle. Skubal wasn't even on the prospect match coming out of college. Now he's one of the top five arms in the entire system. The most strikeouts of any pitcher in the minor league system. 179 strikeouts and a little over 122 innings. And your winner of the RTD Rodeo Awards biggest surprise is Tarek Skubal. When you're talking about surprises, anybody who gets into the top five prospects in an organization after sitting around the 20s, that's more than a surprise. That's a shock. According to most prospect ranking systems, Scooble wasn't even a top 50 guy in the entire organization. Now we're talking about him as one of the best arms in the entire system. Congrats, Tarek Scooble. This is a guy that's going to win some roadies today. Our next award goes for must-see box score. As a Tigers fan growing up, I used to check the box scores of every single affiliate, and there were certain players that I always had to make sure I saw how they did on a daily basis. Well, which one of the Tiger prospects this year can we say that about? The nominees are... Casey Mize, 
unhittable in the first half of the season after being the number one overall pick in last year's MLB draft. The first half of the year, Casey Mize was not putting up good numbers. He was putting up video game numbers. He was 6-0 with a 1.21 ERA. In 52 innings, he gave up just 8 runs on 35 base hits. He walked just 11, struck out 50. He was as good as you would ever expect the first overall pick to be right out of the chute. He was the must-see box score in the first half. Our next nominee... Riley Green. Of course, when you're the fifth overall pick in a draft and you're just 18 years old, if you have immediate success, you are vaulted into very high prospect status. Riley Green did exactly that. In the Gulf Coast League, Riley hit 351, a 442 on base, hit a home run in his first game in the Gulf Coast League, and then, oh yeah, later in that game, a grand slam. He only spent nine games in the Gulf Coast League and for good reason. Then he went up to Connecticut and held his own just fine. He nearly hit 300 with a 380 on base, a home run, seven runs batted in, walked 11 times in 24 games. Last but not least, he finished the season in West Michigan. To be there at 18 years old, he's believed to be the only West Michigan Whitecaps player in franchise history to have played for the Whitecaps the same year that he played high school baseball. Finished the year with a 271 batting average and a 347 on base. Those numbers might not wow you on the surface, but just remember, he's 18 years old and he is well prepared for what he's about to face in West Michigan when he returns in 2020. Our last nominee is Tarek Skubal. Tarek Skubal, who had astronomically high strikeout numbers, was a must-see appointment in the Tigers minor league system every time he took the mound. Some pitchers go their entire minor league career without a double-digit strikeout performance. How many did Tarek Skubal have in 2019? Nine times this season, Tarek Skubal came out and struck out double-digit hitters in a contest. And our winner is Tarek Skubal. This is Tarek Skubal's second Roadie Award. <laughs> very nice. Very nicely done. Our producer, Nate Wangler, actually had a memory about Tarek Skubal, even though he wasn't actually in West Michigan this year. I was talking to Lake County Captains broadcaster Andrew Luffglass of the Midwest League, and I showed him Tarek Skubal's numbers. He started with, wow. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, oh, wow. And he just kept reading it and going down the lines of his multi-strikeout games. That's the type of performances that Tarek's been putting in this year. I feel like that's some kind of reaction from a TV episode of, like, Happy Days. Like, oh, wowee. <laughs> Our next award is for Play of the Year. Here are the nominees. Here's the 0-1. Swing, high fly ball, left center field. Riley Green on the run. He reaches out. He dies. He makes the catch. An unbelievable play in the left center field gap. Riley Green. He stretches, and the one-two pitch to Hill is a swing and a drive. Out to left field. Barnes looks up. Full game. Clutch of all time. Derek Hill. And for the second straight year, the Seawolves with a walk-off home run on July 3rd. 
Here's Riley Green. He's one for three. First pitch is swung on and drilled. Deep center field. Back goes Witherspoon at the warning track. He reaches up. He crashes into the wall. The ball is down for extra bases. Green's to third. They're going to wave him home. Here comes the relay throw from Fort Proctor. Not in time. It's an inside the park home run. Riley Green. And the roadie goes to. The ball is down for extra bases. Greens to third. They're going to wave him home. Here comes the relay throw from Fort Proctor. Not in time. It's an inside the park home run. Riley Green. Of course, Riley Green wasn't going all season without an outstanding moment. That very night, that inside the park home run ended up as a top play on SportsCenter, the number three play of the night. And oh yeah, the inning before that, he complimented it with the number four play on SportsCenter with a diving catch. Two outstanding plays in the same game in two innings. Riley Green takes home play of the year. Best call-up story. Jake Rogers swings it's a fly ball left field leading off top of the third way back in left and gone Jake Rogers fifth career at bat <laughs> home run number one and the Tigers take a one nothing lead in the third Jake Rogers the first piece of the Justin Verlander deal of 2017 made his way to Detroit in 2019 immediately showed his skills on defense and hit a home run in his second major league game our next nominee Brian Garcia former Miami Hurricanes closer was so close to the major leagues back in 2017 and then had to get Tommy John surgery missed the rest of 2017 all of 2018 and had to work his way back up started in Lakeland this year went Lakeland to Erie to Toledo and then received a September call up to the Detroit Tigers congratulations to Brian Garcia Our last nominee is John Schreiber, the native of Rockwood, Michigan, ended up getting his call to the major leagues in August. John Schreiber is a nominee for this edition of the Road to Detroit's Roadie Award for Best Call-Up Story. And the roadie goes to John Schreiber. Johnny was born in Wyandotte. He watched the Tigers go to the 2006 World Series. A true underdog story, not a single scholarship offer coming out of high school before playing at Northwestern Ohio. The Tigers picked him in the 15th round. He even proposed to his fiance Becca in the dugout in July before getting the call up later this year to play for the Detroit Tigers. What a story. Congrats to Johnny Schreiber. Our next award goes for best guest here on the road to Detroit. Our nominees are Matt Manning. I do not apologize unless I think I'm wrong. And if you don't like it, you can leave. Yeah. I think I used that one the other day. (laughs) (laughs) Just tell him to call me ASAP as possible. Oh, uh, Michael. Michael. Yeah. (laughs) Last one. Every Halloween, I tell him the same thing. You can't bring weapons into the office. Oh, uh, Toby. Yeah, that's Toby. Nice. <laughs> that's impressive. He got every single one right. Brian Pena. I treat everybody the same. 
I treat everybody with respect. I treat everybody with love. And I represent in the Detroit Tigers organization 100%. And what, and what organization is all about. The only thing that I ask you is for you to go out there and play hard for us. The only thing that I ask you is for you to go out there and respect the fans, respect your coaching staff, and respect everybody who has something to do with the organization. If you do that, man, you will never hear a word from me. And Brandon Inch. I was a All-American shortstop and an All-American closer in college. All right, so two things, shortstop and closer. Detroit Tigers signed me in 98 um, and said, congratulations, we signed you as a catcher. What'd you say when they told you that? (laughs) Thanks, how can I help? I'll I'll do what I can, you know? And the roadie goes to Brian Pena, the Connecticut Tigers manager. This is Brian Pena's first roadie award. I'll tell you what, I remember this when we talked to him here on the show. He was one of the guys that I think we may have had on for about 20 minutes, and I think we asked him two questions. That's what I'll (laughs) always remember about Brian Pena. He was a fun, engaging guest. You can see why his players love playing for him. This guy has a gift when it comes to working with players and simply just talking to people in general. Brian Pena is a motivator. He's also the winner of the roadie of best guests here on the RTD. Thank you. Thank you, fellas, for having me, and God bless you all. Next up, here's the road to Detroit's Roadie Award for Best Drop. Our nominees are Bryant Packard, Tarek Skubal. Are you guys full scuba? Brock Deathrich. And the roadie goes to. Brock Deathridge. <laughs> Gives me a heart attack every time. I just want to leap across the desk <laughs> and punch Nate in the face. I just want to smash this monitor in front and of me. And I like Nate. It's just how the music makes you work. Congrats to Brock Deathridge. He gets the Roadie Award for Best Drop here on the RTD. It's now time for the Roadie for Best Road to Detroit blooper. Here are the nominees. Hey everybody, this is Jim Price, and you're on the road to Detroit's pot. What did you tell me to say? Here's what the Tigers minor league teams have to look forward to in this particular week. Hold on, my dad keeps on FaceTiming me. (laughs) Dad, I can't talk right now. Oh, didn't you just FaceTime me? No, you FaceTimed me. When it's flashing, that means it's calling, right? Yes. Okay. Hey, Casey, this is Nate from the podcast. Hey, how's it going? You got me? Hello? Can you hear me? Yep, you got me? Can you hear me? And the roadie goes to... Our very own producer, Nate Wangler, <laughs> and you. his conversation, or lack thereof, <laughs> with Casey Mize. This was your first conversation, your first phone call, or even interview with anybody here on the show. It was it was my very first phone call, and I came in, I actually remember, I came in a half hour before 
pressed all the buttons, thought I had it all set, tried calling him, and then disaster struck. So, See, the funny thing is when you say you pressed all the buttons, I'm just picturing, like, Buddy the Elf just <laughs> pressing every button on the elevator. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Looks like a Christmas tree. Well, congratulations to Casey Mize. We said we'd say his name at some point again here on the roadies, but also Nate Wangler jumping in there to get himself a roadie award. I think he'll have that on his mantelpiece coming up in the next couple of weeks. It's like the Dundies of Michael Scott. And now, last but not least, our roadie award for the best in best in class. Of all the players in the Tigers minor league system, this one made the most noise the most often. This is a tabulation of all of our best-in-class awards over the course of the 16-episode run here on the road to Detroit. Our nominees are Casey Mize, Riley Green, Matt Manning, Tarek Skubel, Willie Castro, Isaac Paredes, and Joey Wentz. And the roadie goes to, we have a tie! Nate Wangler, I'll let you announce the winner of the best in best in class. Willie Castro and Tarek Skubel, both tied at the end with the most best in class awards. And you know what? We talked about these guys all season long. Of all the Tigers minor leaguers, these two did make the most noise because we talked about them almost on a week-in, week-out basis. Willie Castro set the world on fire in Toledo, and he's all of a sudden become arguably the Tigers' shortstop of the future. Meanwhile, Tarek Skubel came from sitting in the back half of the top 30 to all of a sudden shooting all the way into the top five. He's not just a big Tigers prospect. He's a big prospect around the game of baseball. He's now considered a top 100 prospect by MLB Pipeline. Willie Castro, Tarek Skubel. I'll tell you what, between Mize, Manning, Fiedo, Wentz, Skubel, there's a lot of arms that you can trust heading into that rotation in years to come. But that is our best in best in class. Congratulations, Willie Castro and Tarek Skubel. That's our inaugural edition of the Roadies. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed them, but we're not done quite yet. It's now time for our first edition to give some love to the players we didn't get a chance to talk about as much over the course of this year. It's the Road to Detroit superlatives. So here's how this will work. We're not going to take too much time on this. We're just going to fire these off in quick lightning round style. Our producer, Nate Wangler, I'll have you read the category, and then we'll read the answer, and we'll just fire through all of these as we finish up our roadie awards here on the RTD. All right, we're just going to go through these one by one. We'll start off with the first one, best flow or hair. Without a doubt, Nick Quintana used to take off his helmet in between pitches. And Nate, I believe that had some effect on you. (laughs) You could hear the tones of Gary Rafferty's saxophone playing in the distance as it flowed freely in the wind. Now, why Gary Rafferty and not Kenny G? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Because Gary Rafferty has one of the best sax solos of all time. That's why. Most likely to binge watch an entire series on Netflix. Matt Manning, he already has. He proved that on episode 9 of The Road to Detroit that he had watched The Office from start to finish a number of times before going 10 for 10 putting characters 
to quotes. Matt Manning is definitely a binge watcher because he's proved it on this show. Next. Most likely to be the next Bill Gates. Paul Richin. Last episode, he literally takes computers apart and puts them back together just for fun. He built a computer a couple of off-seasons ago. We asked him what he was putting it together to play, and then he kind of sheepishly said, oh, it's a motorcycle game, I guess. (laughs) Like, he almost didn't even want to admit it. But this is a smart kid. By the way, another kid that could definitely be the next Bill Gates. What about Andre Lipsius? Bionuclear engineering major at the University of Tennessee. Might save the world. Next. Most likely to become a comedian or the biggest goofball. There's a couple for this. Adam Wolf was voted on by a couple of his teammates. He's always the loudest person on the West Michigan bus. Last year, that guy was Max Green. Earlier this year, he ended up using a safety pin to keep his jersey intact in an appearance. And if you ever look, there's a couple of pictures floating around from his time in Lakeland where he's throwing a pitch and you see about nine buttons undone on his jersey. <laughs> I don't even know if he remembered to button it up that day. But Max Green, definitely up there for the biggest comedian. Most likely to become a motivational speaker. Brian Pena, without question. I was motivated and just having a chance to catch up with Brian Pena in episode seven. But Brian Packard, who joined us here on the road to Detroit, said that while in Connecticut, his manager would get more fired up and more talkative when the Connecticut Tigers would lose in a game. He wanted the team to bond more even in failure. And that's the mark of a motivational speaker. Next. Most accident prone. Sam McMillan of West Michigan. Sam McMillan not only led the Whitecaps in being hit by pitches over the course of this season, but it was while the West Michigan Whitecaps were serenading their manager and Tigers legend Lance Parrish with a rendition of Happy Birthday that out of nowhere and out of the corner of our eyes, Sam McMillan just fell out of his chair in the middle of the song. I still can't understand or explain why that happened, but (laughs) Sam McMillan, the most accident prone. Next. Best name, Kona Quiggle, Tigers 2019 draft pick, nearby Grand Rapids native, finished his season in Connecticut. Next. Best Major League lookalike. You know who it is? It's Corey Joyce. We don't know a lot about Corey Joyce yet, but he was a two-time player of the year while playing at NC Central, part of the MEAC, 12th rounder of the Tigers. But Corey Joyce looks just like Corey Seager of the L.A. Dodgers. Very similar looks. Again, it's not a bad comparison if Corey Joyce ends up like Corey Seager. He's also a middle infielder. So Corey Joyce, who will expect some big things from next season, probably in West Michigan, He'll go best major league lookalike. And by the way, just a quick nomination, our buddy Adam Wolf in West Michigan, he actually gave us a best celeb lookalike. He said that one of the pitchers on his pitching staff, Jose Vasquez, actually is a celeb lookalike. He looks just like Ryan Gosling, according to Adam Wolf. So congratulations to (laughs) Jose Vasquez and apparently Ryan Gosling. (laughs) That's a look at the RTD superlatives. Continuing along here on the road to Detroit, the Tigers minor league seasons have wrapped up. That means the Tigers get to crown their player and pitcher of the year. Co-players of the year for the Tigers, Willie Castro and Isaac Paredes take home the award. Willie Castro was outstanding in AAA Toledo, hit 300 with an on-base near 370, acquired from the Cleveland Indians in the Leonis Martin trade, has posted better numbers as a Tigers minor leaguer than he ever posted as a member of the Indians minor league system. Got his call up to the big leagues and is now finding his way at the end of the road to Detroit. 
Isaac Paredes is the other co-winner, a participant in this year's MLB Futures game in Cleveland. That really seemed to propel Isaac to an outstanding second half. He had slipped in a few prospect rankings after the first half, but he has totally reestablished that value. I wouldn't be surprised to see him back within the top 100 prospects based on what he did in the second half second half, Paredes upped his batting average by 40 points, his on-base by 30, and his OPS by over 100 points. He hit nine homers in the second half to just four in the first. He walked just as much as he struck out. A lot of boxes get checked when you look across the board on Isaac Paredes. So congratulations to Willie Castro and Isaac Paredes, the pitcher of the year, 21-year-old Matt Manning, who is now vaulted in to the top 20 prospects in all of Major League Baseball. He currently sits at number 19 on Baseball America's top 100 prospects. His numbers were stellar this season. 11-5 and with the AA Erie Seawolves, a 2.56 ERA, 133 and two-thirds innings. That's a career high, by the way. Just 93 base hits. Opponents hit only 192 against Matt Manning. And then he continued to improve his command. Just 38 walks in those 133 innings. To give you an idea, in 2018, Matt Manning had 51 walks in 117 innings. So he had more walks in fewer innings than he had this year. This year, fewer walks, more innings. He's really become a pitcher as much as he was a thrower when he got into the Tiger system a couple of years ago. Tigers did a lot of good things developing him. Matt Manning, the Tigers' first round pick in 2016, continues to inch closer and closer to Detroit. Congratulations to Matt Manning, the Detroit Tigers minor league pitcher of the year. The road to Detroit continues on our last episode during the season here of RTD, the assistant general manager, the Detroit Tigers, David Chad. Glad to have you along, David. I know you've had a lot on your plate this year. Thank you very much for joining us. No problem, Dan. Thanks for having me. You've got so many responsibilities at the big league level, but getting your ducks in a row with the minor league side is just as vital. I know the big league season's not quite finished yet, but why don't we start with some of the more highly regarded guys because the minor league side is wrapped up. And now some of those guys ended up not finishing in the minor leagues. They actually finished with you in Detroit. So we'll start with that first group of guys that did make it up to you in Detroit. We'll start with Jake Rogers. How important was it to get him up to the big leagues earlier than the rest of the group? Because for many guys, there's a learning curve, but for catchers, it might be even more significant. Yeah, I think with Jake, in Jake's case, we, we definitely had a need early with, uh, with Grayson going down with an injury. So we were fortunate to get, a, get him up here and have an extended look and see what we have going into next year. So um, in, his, in his particular case, uh, it was beneficial for us to be able to do that. Willie Castro, tremendous MILB season. He gets a month in the big leagues to finish the year. A month doesn't feel like enough time to really give us an idea of what a player is, but for any player, what's an accurate timetable on how long it takes to judge a potential everyday guy? Well, I think a a month kind of gives you an idea of the player that you're looking at. Um, You know, in Willie's case, he did have a great minor league year. Uh, I think he finished off well over 300 in AAA offensively but to play up here at an everyday level it's consistency and that's what we're trying to find out with Willie if he brings that consistency every day to play and stay at the major league level as a whole what do you guys need to see from these young players like a Rogers or a Castro in order to feel comfortable giving them a significant role in 2020 I think it's consistency they just need to come up and play 
and, and prove to us that we know they have the ability to play up here. It's just whether or not they have, they're ready to stay up here. And it's it's not unheard of with a lot of players in the game. And we've had them here in the past that young players come up and they they get to see the speed of the game at the major league level. Some are ready and some aren't. You set them back down for a little more seasoning. Then obviously they end up coming back up and helping your club at some point. We're talking to David Chad, the assistant general manager of the Detroit Tigers. So let's work backwards. The trade deadline, another year of a reliever getting the highest trade return. This time it was Shane Green to Atlanta. The Tigers get Travis Demerit and Joey Wentz. Let's quickly run down those two. You guys could have had Demerit in Rule 5 a couple times, but at that point he had yet to develop his power until recently. Was that the difference with him? I think so. I mean, he showed last year at AAA that he put up power numbers. I think he was right at 20 or right around 20. And, uh, you know, he was a, he moved off second base to the outfield, so we wanted to be able to make sure we had scouted him through that transition. So I think to answer your question, obviously it was the bat that had developed, and, and, and as, as you know, the uh, bat sometimes develops later with, with, with players. And that was probably certainly with his case. So, but he showed us the numbers in AAA, and then you know made that uh, made that an easier pick for us or an easier selection when we were talking to Atlanta about the trade. Obviously, I've liked Joey Wentz since high school. He's a Kansas City kid. He's gone out. He's performed at a young age. I believe same draft as Matt Manning. Uh, anytime you can add a starting left-handed pitcher to your uh, organization, it's beneficial. So, you know, happy with both. Both players, obviously, I know Atlanta's happy with Shane Green, so it worked out for both. The other trait, the one with 12 seconds left, Nicholas Castellanos to the Cubs for two more pitchers. We had Paul Richin on the show not too long ago. He's super intelligent. And Alex Lang, who you guys immediately shifted to the bullpen. Obviously, Al is familiar with Alex because he's familiar with Paul Maneri, the head coach at LSU. But just a couple of thoughts on what you saw from those two as they finished out their season. Uh, Rashawn's a pitchability right-hander for us. Um, fastball sits 90-93 and uh, has three other pitches to complement his fastball, a strike thrower. And Lang, we'd, I'd seen since high school, being a Kansas City kid, um, and, for, and obviously followed throughout his career at LSU. Uh, the decision to move him to the pen was we just thought his fastball would play up more out of the pen and, and see a back-end reliever out of him. And, again, happy with both, uh, both acquires. Did you see that fastball play up the way you hoped to with Lang? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, it fluctuated a little bit. Uh, he was 90-94. I think he might have touched some 95s at the end. But, yeah, I mean, uh, he's always a kid coming up, had a, had a good arm, uh, ability to throw strikes, and a tough competitor. So uh, that hasn't changed. I know that. I read somewhere that being ranked highly on the team prospect rankings means more now than it ever has. Some places have you guys outside the top 10, but MLB Pipeline and Jim Callis, who we've had on this program, has you all the way up to six. What does that mean to you guys in the front office? Well, it, th- those polls are always subjective, and it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, and I really you know, I appreciate Jim Callis putting us in that group, and Jim's been around a long time. I consider him a very good evaluator of minor league talent. Um, but it, it's good when you do hear that. But again, I think the industry will tell you what type of talent you have in your system when you start discussing trades. And we feel good right now where we're at with our minor league system. Um, we feel like we have not only, I think we get a lot of credit for our pitching, but I think we also have some position players like an Isaac Paredes that are going to be coming along soon. I'm very thrilled with uh, Riley Green's 
start to a season this year. Um, I know Parker Meadows offensively might have had a mediocre year, but we still see him as being a really very, very high prospect. So we're encouraged by both. Um, I think the attention at Erie with the arms gets all the gets everybody takes notice with everybody. But I do believe we do have some position players coming as well. We're talking to David Chad, the assistant general manager of the Detroit Tigers. We'll get to those bats in just a minute. I'm glad you brought that up. But the big reasons why you maybe have moved up to number six, according to MLB Pipeline, you know, a big reason might be because you're just taking it slow with these guys in the minors. To me, I mean, it felt like Matt Manning and Isaac Paredes, for example, maybe could have gone up and been just fine in Toledo. I'm sure leaving some of those guys down there is by design. What are some of the perks of that design? Well, I think it's important to win as much as it is to develop. Um, and at the point, at the second half here, he was having a tremendous year. Um, we didn't feel any of those guys were ready to pitch in the big leagues yet. Um, the transition from double-A to the big leagues happens all the time. So we just felt like, hey, let's let them stay together in area. Let's give them an opportunity to win. Let's let them continue to develop um, and see where it goes. Hey, 21 and double-A's uh, very advanced for their age, and they both handled it fine. Um, so... It's part of a culture. It's part of what we want to do as an organization is develop a winning attitude, and that's part of the reason why we kept them all together there in Erie. And that's a team that had a lot of success, the best winning percentage in the entire Eastern League. One of their front-line starters is somebody that's very familiar to us, Matt Manning, tremendous season. He ended up as the Eastern League Player of the Year. Casey Mize wasn't quite right in the second half, and I'd like to give you an opportunity to speak to that because we saw something similar in his final season at Auburn. After about 75 innings or so, his numbers look significantly different. What's caused that in your estimation, and what can be done to help that? Well, I think some of it is just Casey came out and just dominated. I mean, uh, first half he just dominated, and I think the second half – um, you know, it, his, his, his numbers obviously regressed somewhat, but, you know, I think it's the league adjusting to Casey and, and, uh, it's certainly not, his stuff did not back up. Um, but I just think everybody's expectations was for him to just continue to pitch at that high, high level. And Hey, this is baseball. Um, you know, and you're down six nothing to the Yankees and you come back and win that's baseball. And I think in Casey's case, you know, he, he faced, uh, some good hitters in the league. Um, we still have very high expectations obviously of Casey and his ability and, and he has high expectations of himself. And we got to remember that that was his really first full year in professional baseball and pitching at a double A level was outstanding. In my opinion, I happened to be there the first outing when he threw the no hitter when he first got Terry and, I mean, it, it was uh, exceptional stuff, and uh, uh, you know, again, we just uh, we, we we to answer your question, I really don't have an answer, but I just think, you know, it, he did so well early, and then kind of settled in a little bit in the second half. Uh, did did suffer a little bit of a setback with an injury, but nothing major, obviously, and came back to to pitch to pitch in the second half. So. He's he's fine. Um, obviously, he'll come into spring training, and uh, um, uh, we're we're all fully expect for him to have uh, be the pitcher that he is when he shows up next spring. On the flip side, someone who finished the season as good as he started is Tarek Skubal. I know he was coming off Tommy John surgery when you drafted him in the ninth round, but we usually don't hear stories about the Tigers drafting someone having already dealt with that particular injury. Does a story like his make you guys a little more willing to take someone like that in the draft going forward? Because some guys really do break the mold. Yeah, in Tarek's case, I mean, 
all of our all the players that we discuss in the draft have to be cleared medically by our doctors and our training staff and and we felt like Tarek's Tommy John was done correctly and his rehab was on the right track and we believed in his uh, obviously in his ability and um, in his work ethic and so it, it's it's you know there's a lot of decisions that are being made behind the scenes obviously from a medical standpoint when you're talking about anybody in the draft but um Tarek's situation was, hey, six foot four left-handed pitcher up to 96, and coming off of Tommy John that we feel was done right, rehabilitated correctly. So let's let's uh, roll the dice and make the selection, and it's turned out so far well for us. Tremendous year for Tarek Skubal. As for Riley Green, as we kind of shift over to at least talk about one of the preeminent position players in this system, the fifth overall pick in this year's draft, also got him a taste of West Michigan to end the season. How satisfying was it to get him to a place that most people had him ticketed for 2020, and how will that help once he returns there to start next season? Well, you know, obviously starting out in the GCO and performing well there, moved him up to Connecticut, and he handled himself very well there. We just wanted to keep challenging Riley. Uh, we never really look at age. Uh, the baseball doesn't know how old you are. So uh, by his performance at those two levels, uh, made us comfortable in moving him up to Grand Rapids. Um, and, and Riley's advanced. He's an advanced high school hitter. Um, he's His mentality is uh, he's driven. Um, he knows what's in front of him and what he has to do. So I think it was a good good place for him to be, um, getting to play alongside Parker Meadows every day, and uh, I think he did fine. Um, and we'll just see, you know, how next year goes. Uh, he, he, sometimes with these young players, you, you know, they tell you how fast they're willing to move and by their performance, and we'll just see, see what happens in next year's spring training. Talking with David Shad, you just said it. It's important to win. This conversation about record versus development, you know, we know in the minor leagues that a good record is important to an extent, and you guys kept Erie together. Then you look at the places like Toledo and West Michigan, where I'm sure the record wasn't where you wanted it. I wanted to give you a chance to speak to that because I've had many people ask me about how you guys process when a team is really struggling in terms of its record and how it correlates to player development. Help us make sense of that if you can. Well, first and foremost, you're trying to develop young talent into major league players. That's that's the mindset. But with that, I do believe winning is important, and uh, you're trying to we're trying to win at every level. Um, obviously, with with the development, um, first and foremost. But winning is a big part of our culture. We want to develop winning players. Um, so when you're putting together teams, now mind you, when you have 245 minor league players and you're shifting players all over from from league to league, uh, sometimes that gets difficult. Um, so you're not looking at just putting a bunch of good players at one team. You got all different ages and all different of um, players with where their development stage is. So um, it, you know we've had a lot of good winning teams there at West Michigan, as you know. Uh, this year we just had a rough go. We had a lot of young players there, which is beneficial for their development. And uh, but it doesn't go unrecognized when when we are struggling to win games, and and we're looking obviously as an organization to win games. So um, you have to balance both, and we try to do that the best we can. Whitecaps had three or four teenagers in their lineup down the stretch, and it was one of the first times we've been able to say that in West Michigan in quite some time. 
We look at next year and how this pitching staff at the big league level is coming together. Lots of pitching depth in the minors. Everybody knows that. There was some talk at the trade deadline, and Miami and Arizona made a really interesting trade involving prospect for prospect. How motivated are you guys to do something like that, especially as it relates to you dealing from a potential position of strength? Well, I think, uh, you know, Al, it's more of a question for Al, but he'll listen to anything on anybody. It's just that, you know, when you start talking about pitching and your depth of your pitching, you can never have enough. And we, we feel really good about our minor league pitching depth right now, but we got to keep those kids moving and developing so they can help us at the major league level. Um, so when you start talking about trades from strengths, from our, our strengths, say, per pitching per se, to maybe another organization's strength of offensive players, there are those conversations. Teams have those conversations. Um, but we're certainly not out looking to, to move any of our young guys anytime soon. We, we, uh, we think very highly of them, and uh, we think we have something special here in the next couple of years. He's certainly got enough arms. I mean, besides all the players at the minor league level, you know, Spencer Turnbull was effective this year. You also have Michael Fulmer coming back, so potentially even more help on the way. I'd love to get into the international side, but let's just talk about the headliner from those signings you made this year. Roberto Campos was a signing that took all of us by surprise. There wasn't really a lot of info on this kid. What have you heard on him, and how much have you seen? What's the plan in terms of his 2020? I don't know if it... I don't know why it took everybody by surprise. I mean, I, he's a special player. I was able to go over with Al to see him. Um, you know, he has a, a Al Garcia look to him, body frame, tools. Uh, 16-year-old kid with, with uh, um, now raw power, um, plus arm, plus runner. So, you know, it, it certainly didn't catch us by surprise, I can tell you that. He's an he's a extremely good-looking prospect that uh, we're all very excited about. Um, so, you know, obviously with his age at 16, he'll start in the DSL, Dominican Summer League, and then he'll advance accordingly to, you know, how his performance dictates. So from there, it's the GCL, and obviously from there, um, where he goes is going to be all about his performance. But um, he's, he's certainly a very, very good-looking young prospect. A couple of guys you had in the DSL, Adinso Reyes, Jose De La Cruz, Pretty good seasons for both of those two, at least from an offensive perspective. Are you hoping that those guys are ready to come stateside next season? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, they, like you said, both of them statistically had great years, and I think that's that would be the process. Now, any you know, obviously, we'll continue to evaluate through instruction league and the DSL, and and make sure uh, you know we we all feel comfortable with they're ready to come over and, and handle this at the Gulf Coast League level. Talking to David Chad, the assistant general manager of the Detroit Tigers. Last but not least, you guys just named your MILB player and pitcher of the year. Co-winners for player of the year, Willie Castro and Isaac Paredes. We hit on Willie Castro a little earlier. Paredes had a red-hot second half. We just wanted to throw this out there as well. And obviously, Matt Manning, the Tigers' MILB pitcher of the year. I know this is exciting for you, and I know that these are guys that really deserve the praise that they've gotten all season. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, praise for his age at that level. Had a very good second half in Erie. He's an advanced hitter. Play shortstop, play third base. Um, very good hands, and uh, we're excited about him. And obviously, Matt, in the year he had, was uh, tremendous. Um, you know, he took the mound every fifth day and went out, and he uh, uh, his performance was outstanding. So we couldn't be more happier with all three of them, and uh, they all deserve very deserving of the award. 
couple of guys who ended up in the MLB Futures game this year. Something tells me they have MLB Futures going forward. David Chad, the Assistant General Manager of the Detroit Tigers. Thank you so much for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Enjoy your offseason, and we'll catch up in Lakeland. All right, Dan. Thanks for having me. Well, we hope you enjoyed the conversation with David Chad. We also hope you enjoyed the inaugural edition of the RTD Roadie Awards. Congratulations to all winners and all named in the superlatives categories. That was a blast to put together. And this show has been a riot as well. We've had so much fun bringing you The Road to Detroit. This is our last episode of the regular season, but there's so many people to thank that have helped make this possible to allow us the chance to bring you the Tigers minor league system. Again, easy way you can show your support behind this show and make sure that it comes back in the offseason, next season, all of the above click that subscribe button. Make sure you're doing that because that's the thing that will keep this show coming back each and every week into your podcast section. But there are so many people to thank for helping make this show what it's been. First of all, our thanks to everybody with the Detroit Tigers. Our thanks to Stan Fracker, who helped us pioneer this show, really get it off the ground. And not only that, but he gave us some creativity, the ability to make the show what we thought you would appreciate. So our thanks to Stan Fracker for making this an enjoyable experience. Also, a shout-out to Tigers PR, Chad, Ben, the whole gang. To all of our guests, they've been so gracious with their time. So many members of the Connecticut Tigers, the West Michigan Whitecaps, the Lakeland Flying Tigers, Erie Seawolves, and Toledo Mudhens, respectively. Our thanks to their staffs for helping us get those players on our show. The thanks to those players who came on, spent some time with us. In some cases, a couple of guys came on a couple different times. Our thanks to some of the others that came on, Jason Beck of DetroitTigers.com, Emily Walden, Jim Callis of MLB.com talked draft early in the RTD. Brandon Inge, who played a long career with the Detroit Tigers. We've had a lot of big names come along here on the road to Detroit, and that's always been the advantage of the RTD. A lot of places talk about these guys. We talk to these guys. It's the only place you're going to hear that week in and week out. By the way, don't forget to follow the Tigers player development on Twitter at Road to Detroit. You can follow me as well at that Dan Hasty. We also wanted to thank the West Michigan Whitecaps specifically because we actually do this show out of a studio in Grand Rapids and the Whitecaps could not have been more supportive behind the road to Detroit. So a huge thank you to Jim Jarecki, Steve McCarthy, Lou Chamberlain, Denny Baxter, and Joe Chamberlain in West Michigan. Also a shout out to the Tigers social media team. We love what you guys do. And last but not least, thank you to our producer, Nate Wangler. Of course, we couldn't do the RTD without Nate taking care of business on the ones and twos. Nate, great job this year coming in to do this. We really didn't know what we were getting into. We kind of made our own path with the help of the Tigers, but I thought you were tremendous. Nice job. Thank you. Thank you. It was a learning process, and, you know, after a while we got really good at it and uh, really pumping out good at it. Sort of, yeah, I wouldn't really say really, but... Prospect uh, grade of 50 on a scale of 20 (laughs) to 80. At least we're on the map, though, right? That's right. We're a solid number 24 prospect. (laughs) And that'll do it. That's the run of RTD here in the 2019 regular season. We have officially kept our 16th and final episode here of the regular season. Maybe we'll talk to you during the offseason. If not, it's been an absolute pleasure. And, of course, we cannot wrap up our thank yous without you. 
thanking you for subscribing, thanking you for rating, thanking you for reviewing this show, because without you, we can't do this every single week. We've had a riot talking about Tigers minor leaguers all season long and bringing you some of the names that have emerged on the scene for the Detroit Tigers. You know, and again, we're talking about a system now with three top 50 players. There's a lot of major league teams that would love to have three top 50 prospects. The Detroit Tigers have that. One thing you can't argue is that it is trending in the right direction. And from the sound of it, there's going to be another high draft pick waiting in the wings in 2020. That'll give us a lot more to talk about here on the future of the road to Detroit. Thank you so much for listening. Appreciate you checking back in with us week after week after week. This has been awesome. This has been the road to Detroit. See ya! Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.